This has been a uh, sad and infuriating week at the same time. Not only because of the horrific killing of children and teachers in Uvalde, Texas, but also because of some of the reactions to that massacre. I found myself alternating from grief to rage and back and forth all week long. And I also find myself again asking the question I mentioned in the sermon last week that a lot of us have been asking ourselves. What on earth are we supposed to do about these horrors? Well, this morning, <clears throat> our story of Jesus and his disciples again provides us with at least some guidance. Last week, we saw that no matter what has happened in life, we can always start again by loving Christ and taking care of those who are near to us in life, whoever they are. This morning, we receive even more direction from the scripture on how we go about this. What it means for each of us to do our part for those who are in our lives will look different for every one of us. But when each of us as individuals fix our focus on following as Christ leads us, we will be led to our own work in this world. As our story begins, as I mentioned with the kids, Jesus gives Peter at least some hint of what Peter's life holds. Uh, immediately after Jesus has commanded Peter three times uh, to essentially pastor Christ's followers, Jesus continues with the following. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. The writer of the gospel then adds an explanation. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to, God, said to Peter, follow him. Most commentators believe that Jesus, uh, the kind of death that Jesus was trying to prepare Peter for, um, was the harsh reality that his path would follow Jesus' own to the crucifixion, literally death on a cross. And according to uh, history, Peter was crucified in Rome. So at first, uh, this revelation to Peter about his future martyrdom may seem a bit cruel. Yet Dale Bruner gives a, a possible positive alternative understanding. He writes, with Jesus's martyr words ringing in Peter's ear for the rest of his life, when Peter finally does experience martyrdom, he will not be as tempted to ask, is this awful thing happening to me now because I once so disappointed my Lord? Is this my payback for denial? Rather, Peter learns from Jesus by these words, 
especially after they've accompanied the previous restoration to a position of feeding the, my, my sheep. G, Peter learns from Jesus by this uh, word to him that a cross will accompany his mission, Peter's mission. And beyond the cross, Christ will continue to lead Peter into new life after death. So Christ sums up the essence of Peter's work in the world at the end of verse 19. He said to Peter, follow me. As so often with dear Peter, if he could simply have accepted Christ's words and moved forward, he would have come across as, as strong and wise. But Peter can never leave well enough alone. Peter looks backward over his shoulder. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. Even at this point, Peter could have kept his mouth shut turned and looked back at Jesus and, and focused on what Jesus had just said. You follow me. But Peter can't do it. Peter asks Jesus, what about him? Now to Peter's credit, throughout this entire gospel, this other disciple is presented as someone who consistently goads Peter, whether intentionally or not. The writer, whom we believe is the same one and the same disciple, made quite certain that we all knew that this disciple was faster than Peter, and so beat Peter to the empty tomb on Easter morning, and he was so fast he had to wait for Peter to arrive. This disciple also believed Jesus had been raised from the dead before Peter. This disciple also recognized Jesus on the shoreline just in this morning's tableau of stories. This disciple had recognized Jesus as the Lord on the shoreline before Peter did. And of course, every time we hear about this disciple, he is identified as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What, Jesus didn't love any of the other ones? But this, this guy, every single time, the disciple whom Jesus loved, it sure seems like there is some sort of competition between these two. Here at this point in the story, Peter has just been told by Jesus that Peter's future holds death by crucifixion. Seems to me like Peter wants to know if this other disciple is going to get the same. But Jesus' answer is a sharp rebuke to Peter. If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? And I like the, uh, the follow-up from the writer, the disciple whom Jesus loved, that this disciple, well, actually a lot of people think that this uh, whole chapter 21 was an addition by a dis someone who is very close to John to sort of give an update on the story. Uh, 
but they they add Jesus did not say that he would not die only said if I want him to remain alive until I return what is that to you the whole point is what is that to you Jesus then says you must follow me Jesus again reaffirms the central focus point for Peter but this time he is even more emphatic in the Greek it reads literally you me follow the pronoun you is its own separate word at the start of this command that didn't have to be there it's incorporated in the verb itself but it's Jesus' 